0: Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at DivorceNet.ca.
1: Hello
2: again, everyone. I'm Darren Javag, host of Clean Break, the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm here today with my co-host, the amazing Tina Murray. I'll keep it short and sweet today, Tina how are you?
0: I'm great, Darren. Thanks so much. I am so excited to be here today. Um, We uh, love doing this podcast. We love being able to help people and just give them little pieces of real information. And so uh, we have uh, another great guest today. Her name is Tanya Parker Wallace. She owns her own firm, Parker Wallace Family Law. Uh, She loves mediation and collaborative law. I I use that word love. I hope I am saying that correctly, but... (laughs) Definitely, yes. You've got about 15 years experience in uh, practicing family law in the Ottawa area. So thank you for joining us today and uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what brought you to this point in in your career and and how you got there.
1: Sure. Um, I am originally from Mississauga and I moved to Ottawa to attend law school. Uh, And then as the story goes, met a certain someone, decided not to leave. Uh, So that person and I are now married um, and we have a daughter. Um, She is is the joy of our life. Um, And I started my practice here in Ottawa in 2004, working with uh, a small family firm. um, And then went on to work at the Children's Aid Society for a little bit. Uh, And then uh, back to private practice uh, in 2007 I worked in a couple of law firm environments and then in 2015 uh, late 2015 decided to open my own practice. So I did that in January 2016 uh, and I've been a solo practitioner ever since I got my accreditation in mediation in 2018 and I've been steadily doing more and more mediation and less litigation uh, along with collaborative practice. So well, that's, that's how I got here.
2: Uh, spread yeah. the background. You, yeah. you made a statement about more and more, litiga- uh, more less and less litigation. And mm-hmm. uh, is that a common theme these days with many people in the law? Uh, in the law practice, like practicing law, Is, are more and more people moving away from adversarial or litigation part of law are they, and going towards, you know, some type of uh, mediation or agreement style of, of law?
1: I think there are many people who self-select towards that kind of a process for sure. Um, Most family law files are gonna settle uh, before they ever get to a trial decision anyway. Um, And so at any point in the process, you can step out of the court process and try to mediate or to negotiate a resolution. And I think more and more, a lot of people are realizing that they can save so much time and emotional cost if they decide to mediate instead of going the court route. Uh, So, And I think in terms of practitioners, um, a lot of lawyers get a bit tired, I think, and a bit jaded with the whole court process and the adversarial nature of things and just fighting for the sake of fighting and they see that mediation is a better way. So that's certainly what happened with me. Um, After about 11 years of litigating, I was, I just said, you know, enough is enough. And I think that there's definitely a better way to do this for families. So that's what made me decide to veer off in that direction.
2: That's wonderful. I I think that kind of is part of the reason why DivorceNet and, and Clean Break actually started was to get people information help them empower themselves to find the right advice and the right information for themselves and get through the process as quickly as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you explain, um, there's mediation, collaborative law, obviously adversarial, we know. Um, you really like the mediation part mm-hmm. of, of divorce. Can you talk to us a little
1: bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I see all of these resolution methods as being on a spectrum. And so you have litigation on one side of the spectrum, so very adversarial, uh, very sort of winner-take-all. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum is the more sort of mediation. where you're, you're helping people sort of one-on-one. The reason why I enjoy mediation is because um, usually there's no lawyers involved. I myself, I am a lawyer, but I don't, I'm not providing legal advice in my role. I'm there working with the clients, um, just the three of us. And so what I love about it is that it's the, really the only chance where the clients are able to actually talk to one another and find out things perhaps about each other that they didn't know, gain some insights into the other person and why they're reacting the way they are. And if, if magic is happening, then you get that insight that comes out of that conversation and then you're able to move forward. And sometimes that helps parties find common ground which you never, ever really get in litigation because you have a judge that's making a decision based on the law, based on the facts, um, but not really knowing how that's gonna impact the family. So with mediation, you really do get that chance. That's why I enjoy it. And do you find that it's successful? I would say that about maybe 75% of the time it's successful, which I think is a great rate. Um, certainly in my experience, about 75 to 80 percent of the time we get to a mediated agreement and the parties they get their independent legal advice. They might tweak a couple things here and there, but generally speaking, we end up with a signed agreement at the end of the day. So that's really what it's all about, right Getting people to that place where they can have a clean break, right. right. Yeah yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll that yeah, thanks.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So do you ever find yourself in a position where the mediation is
1: clearly not working and then you switch to collaborative? I haven't had that circumstance because um, when you're in the mediation process, it's just really you and the clients. Um, there can be lawyer assisted mediation. Um, I don't do that very often, Um, But in my role, I'm there to facilitate the conversation between the two parties. So if it's not working, um, what has happened in the past is I'll put a pause on things and I'll say, you know, I think this is a really good opportunity for the both of you to break off and go get some independent legal advice on this specific issue. And then once you've had that we will come back to the table and try again. Okay, and so sometimes that helps to to move things along. Right,
0: right. When you have uh, clients, when you're intaking clients, do you have to go through some type of discovery process for um, determining whether it's it's adversarial, uncontested, you know, collaborative or mediation? How do you
1: work that process out? Um, Normally I, I have a sort of a 15 minute intro call with a client uh, who says, and, and you have to understand a lot of clients, they call sort of already knowing what they wanna do. So they will, um, they'll, they'll call and they'll say, hey, I'm interested in mediation or um, I'm really interested in collaborative. But if they don't do that, then I do a little bit of screening at the beginning to find out sort of, does this sound like a really, really high conflict matter? Um, are there any issues that would make it um, sort of untenable for mediation, like, for example, has there been domestic violence in the past, etc. Um, and so once I've, I've asked some of those screening questions, then I kind of know how to go with the discussion and so while I'll talk about the benefits of mediation or collaborative um, and obviously, if I know that it's um, something that's either an urgent matter or something that I know needs to be litigated, then I'm able to just direct the client to other lawyers who can take care of that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So I think part of the uh, the other the other thing with mediation is when you look at the spectrum, <clears throat> there's the the. Um, how confrontational it is from a spectrum. But then there's also a cost part too, right? Because mm-hmm. mediation is typically, and I don't know, maybe you can answer this, is typically lower cost than than adversarial.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it can be tens of thousands of dollars less uh, than the normal uh, court route for sure. Um, I don't want to give a ballpark figure because it really depends yeah. on the issues. But, uh, but you can save thousands of dollars by going that route. Absolutely. Right.
2: Right. Now, I think there's one more route you can go that's lower than mediation, which is we've talked about it, which is it's just uncontested divorce. Right. Yes. Is, that's where somebody just they just basically rubber stamp something and, and and you're done. You're, you're divorced. Right. So I guess mediation would be like one step above that, where, you know, parties are agreeing on on a good bulk of of what they're what they each want. And then there's a small part, there's a little bit of contention there where they just want to make sure that, you know, they're getting the right advice on how to separate something, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, um, in terms of the clients who come to mediation and what their issues are that need to be resolved, there can be no agreement on any issues. Um, and so you, you have to sort of start from scratch and work out a parenting plan, um, work out decision-making, work out a property settlement, talk about cash flow. Um or there can be situations where they say, hey, we've agreed on all of this stuff. Here's all of the financial papers. We just need you to draft up an agreement, but we want to just do it together. Um, so it, it can really range. Um, in terms of an uncontested divorce, that's more when you already have a separation agreement in place uh, and you've resolved all that other stuff. And really all you need at that point is a judge to stamp your divorce for you. Um, right. So that's the difference between those two. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, how, how do you, I mean, we're talking about your lawyer and, 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 you know, in my brain and probably lots of people's brains, you know, you know, we, we, we broad stroke, although all lawyers are like this, right. You know, you broad stroke mechanics. And, and so, you know, as a lawyer, you, you know, from my old school perspective, it's like, oh, you all just want to go to court and make money. Right. So it's a, it's a completely sort of, backwards way of thinking from I would say the general public's view to say that there's lawyers out there that actually like I read your bio and it says that um you know you have restricted your practice to literally that like you don't want to do that adversarial route at all Mm -hmm. and and that's just sort of a a,
2: contradiction
0: a contradiction yeah great To, Mm -hmm. to what a lot of lawyers perception that a lot of lawyers Mm -hmm. would want Mm -hmm. why do you why why do you think that is like i i I guess i'm sort of i I don't know the question i'm trying to ask i don't know if you you get the question i'm trying to ask but
2: you you sound like you're you're doing you're doing the opposite of what the typical mindset is for lawyers yeah yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i i think that's fair for sure um i know that when i when i first started practicing law i knew that at the end of the day i wanted to be a mediator but I felt that I wouldn't be taken seriously unless I had a litigation background, because how would I be able to give advice or not advice, but how would I be able to give information about what a judge is likely to do if I hadn't litigated myself? Mm. So for me, litigation has been sort of a means to an end in terms of this is sort of where I wanted to end up working one on one with clients and sort of helping them outside of this process. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Most people's perceptions of lawyers are they're type A, super aggressive. They live for the fight, that sort of thing. They love going to court. And that was just really never me. And I think that there are a lot of lawyers who feel the same way. And, um, it's great that there's been some recent changes to the legislation to recognize that there's a different way to handle these disputes. And certainly it's a big benefit to the court system to divert a lot of those files outside of the courts. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that answers your question, I, I guess. It, really yeah, does, it does, it does.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a question for you, Tanya. Um, yeah. A lot of people, when they start down the road of getting divorced, quite mm-hmm. often, once they, once both parties agree, this is done. They finally accept the fact that it's over. Mm -hmm. They want it done like that. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, I mean, there are restrictions on how long it takes to be legally divorced, correct?
1: Yes, it does. There is, yes. Yeah, you have to be separated for a period of 12 months before a court can grant you a divorce. So what I often tell people is you can apply for a divorce the next day after you separate, but you're going to have to wait that full 12 months Hmm. before you can, um, before you can be divorced. And there's a couple of exceptions to that, but they're pretty rare. Um, Hmm. The other grounds for a divorce are if you are able to prove that the other spouse um, committed adultery or if um, there was some cruelty during the marriage. but. Very oftentimes, by the time you gather all that evidence and present it, it's going to wind its way through the court and take 12 months anyway. Right. So, what many lawyers just do is just say, "Wait your 12 months." It's a lot right. cheaper. Right. Um, so, yes, I think I lost my train of thought. Anyway, no, no, no. But, yeah. you, you answered
2: the question. Yeah. So, uh, so, so now, now looking. So that's kind of like the the legal framework for how long it takes, right? Like, yeah. like the, this is the box you have to. Fit in to wait until it's all finalized. That's However, but getting to that point, how long would a, a typical mediation take? Like from start to finish, what would you say?
1: I think it takes about six to eight weeks. Uh, And that is often because the the main waiting time, uh, if any, is the parties gathering the financial information that they need in order to resolve their property matters. Uh, A lot of times the the wait time is in getting things valued, like pensions uh, and that sort of thing, because that requires sending them out for experts to evaluate and, and get back to you. So sometimes there's some waiting time and also people often aren't ready to or or prepared that they have to gather all these documents about their assets and debts and things. And so it takes them a while to gather that stuff. Um, But typically if they have all that information at the ready, you can have uh, a few joint meetings a couple of weeks apart and then there's uh some time for the parties to get legal advice and for me to draft the agreement so yeah it can be done in about six weeks or so if, right. if everything is sort of lined up and ready
2: that's great so, so it's, but it's roughly like when you factor in those little things probably yeah. three months or something like that yeah
1: yeah exactly
0: like one of the things you just said and and touched on it a little bit earlier was you know you you have to you know you're talking about the parenting the finances the you know all of those other aspects other than outside the the law per se Mm -hmm. um do you draw like what kind of professionals do you draw on in your mediation process
1: i so my role is to help facilitate the conversation. But part of that, and a big part of that at the beginning is an education piece on, you know, here's the legal framework. And so this is the box that we're in, and this is how the law would apply to your specific scenario. So in in that case, I'm not giving legal advice, I'm just giving legal information. And so if the parties decide, hey, you know what, that doesn't really work for us, then we can start thinking outside that box and coming up with some different solutions. Um, And so along the way, if there is a need for expert advice, like if uh, a business needs to be valued or if the parties are really having a hard time dealing with um, the parenting piece because there's a lot of emotions and negativity between them, I might decide to send them off to a social worker to work on the parenting piece with them because they're better trained to sort of deal with that emotional piece than lawyers are. Right. Um, so yeah, those are the the types of, um, I've involved financial divorce specialists as well to work on the finances. Uh, so yeah, there's oh, there's okay. a wide range, just like in collaborative, right? Just like in collaborative, i sorry, I missed that. <laughs> He's a, a, a financial divorce analyst. <laughs> there you
2: go. I, was, I was just joking, I said, I love those guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, yeah, i just, it, you know, I just wondered because we've talked to, uh, we literally uh, previously had a, a guest on and she does that. She's a th- psychotherapist and a parenting mediator. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, you know, it was just like, just wondering how you incorporate that type of thing into sort of the whole process. Would mm-hmm. you do the same in collaborative law? Like, do you work in a team with like that type of thing in collaborative law?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So the lawyers are, you know, obviously uh, one lawyer represents each of the clients. And then I, so they are working together uh, with any other professionals that might be involved, such as um, a family relations specialist who is helping them work through that emotional piece. As I said before, a financial divorce specialist who's helping with the finances and everyone, all the professionals are working together as a team. in that approach which is again amazing there's just so much magic there when people are actually working together rather than butting heads so
0: the two in a collaborative uh divorce the two lawyers work together rather than against each other yes they do
1: yeah 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 Yeah. you're both still there's
2: there's an incentive there to to make sure that they finish the 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 deal right right because if they don't they go their separate ways the lawyers aren't allowed to represent those clients anymore. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, make it work or else, you know, right. Um, I, I I have a quick question as well about um, uh, the mediation side. Um, So when you go, when you send people out to go get independent legal advice, Mm -hmm. right. Is that man, is that mandatory?
1: It's not mandatory, but it is so, so highly encouraged. Right. Um, I, I, I try to say that it's, it's, Mandatory light, like it's it's so so important um, because it's if if both parties have a lawyer and they get their independent legal advice, it just makes the agreement that much more robust. Right. So I say, you know, it's just an extra layer of insurance to make sure that this agreement's not going to be overturned in fifteen or twenty years.
2: Right. Right and and so let me ask you this delicate question <laughs> when you do you refer to other lawyers do you just tell the, the clients to go find their own lawyers or do you usually do you usually try to encourage them to seek certain types of lawyers right because obviously <laughs> yeah. well you, you don't well you don't want things As to be undone right so yeah. so i'm just curious and i mean you can speak candidly that way right i mean do you yeah. usually give that kind of advice like to seek a certain type of lawyer
1: so I have a list. So I'll say. <laughs> That's I what do. I was trying I'm to list. get her to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I have no shame in that. I, um, because, well, okay, first of all, uh, there is, I always encourage people to get their advice as early in the process as they feel comfortable with, because there's nothing worse than being a lawyer on the ILA side, stepping into a mediated agreement and not understanding, especially if it's deviating from the law, Not understanding all the conversation that happened before that to get them to that place. So if I'm giving advice, I want to know what the background was from why they moved from, you know, what I would give them advice about to this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. no, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so I encourage them to get their advice as early in the process as possible so that you don't have a lot of confused lawyers on the side, mm-hmm. not wondering what happened. Right. Uh, and then the second thing is, yes, I have a list and I'm like, here are some mediation friendly lawyers who get it, who've worked with these kinds of clients in the past. Um, and most people are happy to get that list because they don't want to start from scratch. Right. Right. Right.
2: You know, that's, that's a great that's a great philosophy I believe because quite often I'll 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 be referred to clients that are at the end of the process they're they're literally signing the separation agreement and they say can you look at this for me like I'll pay you an hourly rate to have a look at the financial side of it and tell me if it's a good deal for myself and I'm like and if I and, and the problem with that and I always tell them this I always say the problem with this way of doing it is that If I find, when I find things that are issues, you now have to go back and, and possibly undo a big piece of this contract.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
2: So I'm like, you know, I can, and I'll look at it. I'm happy to, but at the same time, you have to realize I'm not here to start creating problems for a process at the the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's hard. I would say you, you really got to see people at the beginning and it's hard to figure out who to talk to. Yeah. Right. But, you know, when you're going through a process, I'm glad that he stated that That bring people in at the beginning, yeah. even yeah. if you're not engaging with them through the entire process, let them know where you're starting from. Yeah. Yeah. So that way, when you get near the end or partway through, you can say, you know, this is a really contentious thing can you, can I just get your opinion on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Not at the end. And I got the pen in the hand. Can I take this?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause it's hard. So anyways, a hundred percent, you know, and, and this sort
0: of, this brings me to a question. I literally just uh, had a client, they're doing she's doing a spousal buyout on her mortgage Mm -hmm. um and um they she was having her lawyer draw up the separation agreement and it it is definitely a very it's non-mediated it's not it's very uncontested basically Mm -hmm. um he he has been advised to get ILA but I don't believe he's getting it and he's gonna and and so I part of what I needed to see in the separation agreement was the the um the debts the debt payout Mm -hmm. and so i asked her for a copy of the draft and i i read it and got back to her whatever but i noticed that there was a thing at the bottom saying he's been advised Mm -hmm. but if he chooses not to so if he chooses not to Mm -hmm. she's obviously had independent legal she's obviously had legal advice that's who drew up the separation agreement Mm -hmm. There's things that, according to that lawyer, um, that she's actually entitled to that she's not, she doesn't care about. She just wants it gone. Um, Is there any recourse later by either party,
1: if he doesn't get ILA? So going back to what you said about he's signing something that says he was advised to get legal advice and chose not to. Yeah. So that's a, that's a waiver of independent legal advice. Yeah. And so there, there's usually a certificate at the back that he would have to sign to say, um, you know, I, I am walking into this with eyes wide open. I understand everything in the agreement. I still agree to sign it, even though I haven't had a lawyer look over it with me. Um, and so it makes it, a bit more challenging for him to then come back and say, "I didn't understand what I was signing. I didn't know what I was reading. I didn't understand the implications." Right. Um, mm-hmm. If there are any, you know, tough issues about, um, you know, misrepresentation on the finances or that sort of thing, then that still might leave the agreement vulnerable, even though he's waived independent legal advice. It really just depends on the circumstances. Yeah, okay. yeah that's a tough I one, just, though. Yeah. Because
2: Typically, if people aren't coerced they aren't intoxicated, right? Are, right. Then then it's real. I always say to people, be careful what you're signing because, and I'm not a lawyer, but mm-hmm. if it's dated, witnessed and signed, yep. contract. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, oh, exactly.
2: breaking that is very, very hard. Yeah. So, so I mean, if
0: anything, aware. she's the one who she's taking less in child support. She's, you know, she's paying yeah. him out, whereas he actually should be paying her some money, blah, 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 blah. Her yeah. philosophy is, I want him to have a good start as well. But I just I thought I'd ask that question just because I felt it was we talked about ILA and, and it was yeah. something I thought, you know, let's ask that question. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this was
2: really insightful. Yeah, it was a great uh, chat. Uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. if yeah. That's OK. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, and and Tanya, why don't we uh, want you to uh, share with everyone how to get how to get a hold of you? What are your uh, contact information?
1: Oh, thanks. Um, my I have uh, a website. It's triple W dot P as in Parker W as in Wallace familylaw.ca, uh, or you can reach me by phone uh, at uh, 613-225-6411.
2: That's great. Tanya, we're also going to put uh, some connection information for, uh, for you on the DivorceNet website. And uh, maybe we can entice you into writing a, a blog post for us at some point, some content for the website as well. That would
1: be great. Yeah. I,
2: I really like the way you, the, I really like yeah. the way you work. Yeah. That's good. Thank
1: you so much. I'd love that. Yeah. This was great. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, I'm really honored to, to be a part of it. So thank, thank you.
0: Thank great. you for making the time and we'll be, we'll be in touch for sure. Okay. Okay. Sounds
1: great. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at DivorceNet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. DivorceNet.ca, clear and simple divorce advice from trusted local professionals.